Tom, welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. Uh, I'm Mike, and I'm with St- me tonight is I'm Steve. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. And uh, well, Tom's not here. We told him to get lost. We didn't want him anymore. Yeah. yeah so this episode on. is going to be entirely about orcs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the perfect time to do an all green all the time episode. <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds like a plan. So, uh, what orcs have you painted, Dan? None. Cool. How about you, Ward? Uh, no, none. How are you? Now or in the past? <laughs> let's, go with, let's go with ever. Ever? I've painted three jets, one war wagon, six bikes, ten boys. Evil sons. Evil sons, remember? Yeah. I have my very first orc up there. He's missing an arm. I painted him once. If we're going into the Wayback Machine, yeah. then the last few times that I think Thomas played 40k orcs, he was using some of my old models that I gave him. Mm. Nice. So I did have some third ed works and a golden demon model for the yeah. scrap prospector. Well, yeah, I, I literally have painted one second ed starter figure with watercolor paints from like my grade five like school paint kit. Nice. It's real it, bad. It looks amazing from here. You know what? It's kind of like painting a model all with washes. Mm. It's a little bit boring from behind. Yeah, it's, you might might want to make some more visual interest. Oh, it's real bad. <laughs> it's also missing an arm. I'm kind of sad that it's missing the the bolt pistol because they used to come with bolt pistols, right? Mm-hmm. Orcs didn't have sluggers; they actually had like marine style bolt pistols, which is hilarious. But the arm is long since yeah. gone. I'm kind of sad because I want to have that first model. Cool. I had a space marine with a plasma gun and him. Those are the first two. You could probably get like a catachan arm. And, like, just a bolt pistol. Actually, probably would work pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, uh, what have you guys been working on this week? Do you really want to stop me? start with me? You'd probably start with Dan. Okay, Dan. <laughs> I've been working on some things. Um, I've been working on some scenery, which is somewhat appropriate, which we'll get into later. But uh, I did some Battletech scenery, got that painted. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't really spent too much time on the Titanica scenery yet, but I've been shame. But I've been working on some fun conversions and stuff. Like the, I wanted to do a leader for a knight banner, which I wanted him to have the Thunderfist gauntlet and stuff like that. So he's the being thunder converted. Strike. Thunder strike gauntlet. Don't, get it right, man. It's a rookie mistake. <laughs> I'll admit it. Uh, so he's yeah, got the power fisty thing. Got a servo skull for a head instead of the normal head because world leaders allies. They're not going to be. That knightly looking, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you also get the Mechanicus style, like skull yep. helms. I'm guessing they don't come with those in the no, kit. No, no that um, I scooped out the head from the regular piece and I'm putting like on full on melon baller stuff. Oh yeah, yeah full okay. on. And uh, so the piece that I'm using is from the Space Marine Devastator kit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in the current one exactly, but at least the previous generation kit came with a couple servo skulls. Cool. So from there, dug some of those out of the uh, bits box, and that was kind of an adventure in itself. That was one of those cursed models where just Everything falls apart and breaks in weird ways. Like somehow the carapace, like the upper body of the knight, like cracked in half while I was gluing it. That's why you don't didn't assemble even, your models with a hammer. Didn't even think that would be possible. I tried but, to tell him that too. <laughs> no. See, critical. I thought you were supposed to use the Thunderstrike gauntlet to just smash the pieces together. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. That's how I did it. Yeah. Very so legit. that, I could see that. 
That and a very fiddly conversion of trying to make a Sun Fury Plasma Annihilator for the Warlord Titan. Yeah, I saw that on the uh, on the intertubes. So, yeah. so yeah, that one is involved. Cat- I didn't know you had Cataphron Destroyers. I bought, uh, for, or I think I traded some random shit for... Somebody did an entire Admech army and had, like, the yeah. entire army's worth of leftover bits. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I traded him, like, I don't know, like a land speeder or something for it all. That makes sense. Gotcha. Um, so, and that pile of bits included the Cataphron Destroyer mud flaps. Exactly two of them. So I can make two Plasma Annihilators in this style. Nice. But, uh, and I did find a second Contemptor Plasma Cannon in a bin, so I can actually do a second one later. Say, do, they come with mud flaps in the Cataphron Destroyers? The, ca- the Breachers have armored track guard things. Oh, okay, gotcha. When you said mud flaps, I was like... That seems like not a thing that they would do. They wouldn't care. <laughs> but no, it's. It, I think it's a way to, uh, to... I don't know if the Breachers have like a better yeah, armor save they or do. something. They so do. they have some extra bits they for the tracks. Yeah, yeah they, have, they have some more bits for the tracks, which is almost a perfect size and shape match for uh, some of the curves on the Contemptor Plasma Cannon. Cool. So it's a good piece of cowling on there. But, nice. Um, and are you just doing the conversions for the weapons right now because you're impatient, or do you think that they're not going to come out for a while and you want to play with them a little bit more for, just for a variation? Um, combination of things. The I don't think the dual volcano cannon build on a warlord makes any fucking sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, how is that? Is that what they come with? That's the only two weapons that come in the set. Interesting. Currently, two volcano cannons. So oh. they both. They both have the draining rule, so they're extremely taxing on your reactor, and they're both, like, one really big shot. Yeah. But you have to do multiple hits rapidly to knock down shields before you can do armor, or, like, structure damage. So it's really that issue of how the hell are you going to knock down shields, which I think the plasma gun, because it has four shots, and you can boost it to strength 10 if you need it, is probably going to be... It's a lot shorter range and everything, but it's probably the most uh, devastating potential weapon for the... For Isn't the that the idea, though, that you would have, like, uh, warhounds and stuff to do that sort of work? And then the warhounds yeah. would just be, like, pew, dead kind of thing? Yeah, and, <clears throat> I mean, right now, like, the starter set doesn't give, like, a, yeah. a super amount of flexibility. Well, as we've said in that, previous so, episodes, not really a starter set. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. Sort of the bundle Dan, of the first sprues that were ready for production. Dan yeah. is making a more in-depth starter set. That yeah, makes gotcha, sense. makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just because they've, they've done the whole, like, wink-wink, nudge-nudge thing a few times when talking about sprues may be available in the future, and then they use slightly stronger terms when they're in person. Yeah. But because we don't know if they're going to be six weeks or six months, yeah. I don't necessarily want to wait that long before I have what I consider, like, the good weapon for the Titan. Uh, so if down the road a good one comes out, I might buy that upgrade sprue anyway. But uh, in the yeah. meantime... I think this one will look good, and it's been kind of fun, and I had all the conversion pits lying around. Yeah, makes sense. And, yeah, just convenient that I had uh, a few Contemptor Plasma Cannon arms from <laughs> way back in the day when Plasma Cannons were still good. Cool. Ward, how about you? What have you been working on? Uh, I've been building a bunch of stuff, actually, right now, so working on a bunch of terrain, again, like Dan said, so... Uh, well, it is September, so onslaughts are on the corner, <coughs> we'll be, so terrain we'll is starting. That, so, uh, oh, wait, that, you're going to lose, That you? won't even get done for onslaught, but this is just for myself and shiny bits and pieces and gotcha. new things. Um, and then I've also been building some Zangors. Yep. Uh, much to your delight. Yep. And then out of the... I think you, you got how many put together right now? I got... Uh, ten. I've got to get some heads. Okay. I That's a lot for Ward. Come on. I was going to say, you got to, you got to, based on the stuff at Nova, you need 50. 50. 50. Yeah. I got to buy two more boxes then. Yeah. Um, I got to get some heads on them, but uh, other than that, uh, they they actually are going together 
better than I thought. So. Cool. Nice. They're not randomly cracking in half when you go to glue them together? Nope. Don't use no. the hammer, Dan. <laughs> and then, uh, again, with Titanicus, I've been working a little bit on the knights. I haven't touched the big guys yet. Chicken. Um, chicken. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's what it is, pretty much. So. Um, yeah. Which, funny enough. That's I think some progress. Warlord Titans, when you don't glue the leg armor panels on, they kind of remind me if you've ever seen, like, Parrots without their feathers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kind they of look the, really skinny and scrawny. That's what the warlords, because so many people are painting them with sub-assemblies, right? Yeah. So you're seeing all these pictures online of, like, relatively fully assembled warlords, but without the leg panels on, and they look like weird little featherless parrots to me. It's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. It amuses me greatly. I know what you mean. The knights are kind of the same way in my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. A bunch of assembly and... Yeah, that's well, it sounds like progress. So it is progress, slowly but surely. So since we're going to leave Mike till the the end, uh, I have basically spent the last uh, week working on the Incarn. So that's the cool. uh, Flyy Eldar uh, Avatar of the Dead from the Triumvirate set, because mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of people know what a Yincarn is. Um, that's a super cool model. That was a lot of fun. Um, just the the way that model's put together like with the the different swirly parts that come through mm-hmm. is actually it's a lot of blending a lot of a lot of fun we really enjoyed painting that one up and also sub assemblies yay yeah it's kind of it's tough to do kinda but to. that that in the same with the uh, stormcast one you had to do it with yeah. you know you could get away in a lot of cases without doing them in sub assemblies if you sort of primed it white you could maybe make that work because the only part that you really can't reach is some uh, some of the hair mm-hmm. um it's, it, you actually can get a brush through it pretty easily um, but that being said, I still did mine in sub-assemblies because it would have been a bit of a nightmare. Mainly brushwork or any airbrushing? Yeah, yeah, airbrushed it for, for the base, uh, for the purple and the, the blue and the white, um, but mostly brushwork. It ended up being um, just so I didn't have to lay down, like, a ton of uh, base coats to get everything smooth, especially on the, like, the blue smoke. I don't even know what to call it, really. Like, the, the swirly bits, I guess, is what I'll, what I'll keep using the <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Uh, that blue would have been a nightmare to do uh, by brush. So, yeah, I did that, and that's basically been it. It's kind of been weird to be working on only a single single model, not units and stuff like that. So Not 30 Electro Priests or whatever? Yeah, I, I got all my... My Admech's kind of interesting. I've been playing the crap out of them, and I've kind of realized that they're not probably... They don't have the tools in a lot of situations that I want. Like, every unit has a very specific role that hits really hard, but it only does that one role. There's not a lot of versatility in the list. Uh, and I started playing, uh, just for fun, some of my Eldar stuff. And Eldar are just fun. They're they're a really rewarding army to play. They're a huge amount of fun, so i just sort of gone back to them a little bit right now. I think they definitely have some more Swiss Army Knife kind of units than oh, yeah. the Admech do. Shining Spears are one of the most ridiculously fun units to play. Like, they can do everything. It's awesome. So anyways, that's what I've been working on. So Mike, your turn. Okay, um, let's see. I finished, um, it was two sets of uh, Blood Bowl humans I finished off, uh, plus a bunch of star players for them, so that that was 28 of those guys. The candy purples. (laughs) (coughs) And uh, I put together all of the Titanicus and primed all the Titanicus. I think you did a little more than prime. And I am maybe fifty percent through with the warlord. He's got a lot of. There's a lot of Only work on 50? him. Fifty. From the yeah, panels. The plates like and the panels are all done except for the gold trim. But there, if you looked at the inside, there's a there's a 
there's a lot of crap in there to get painted. Yeah, there's a lot of detail. Yeah. A lot of detail. Yeah. You haven't looked at it close enough. There's a no, lot. No, there's I haven't. Lot. But I did finish the bases of the base. I got a bunch of uh, Thousand Sun Marines piling out of a rhino coming into that, so that, that's yeah. turning out pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that, that little diorama base thing is looking awesome. Which yeah. Legio are you doing? Uh, Warp Runners. Warp Runners, nice. So uh, Astorum, Astorum, Legio's Astorum, I think it is. Something sure. like that. Yeah. yeah. No one's yeah, going to play on that one. They fought alongside the Thousand Suns a lot, so I thought, all right, let's do that. Let's do some pre-heresy a Thousand Suns. And then, yeah, they're on the base ready painted. There's there's another one that uh, fought along with Thousand Suns, too, that I might go with. So. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like purples and creams. Oh, that's a lot of work. Nice. So, yeah, yeah I, I have to admit, I thought you were... Uh, much closer to done from what you're making it sound like because the panels I saw on some of your oh yeah the, the, like the panels themselves except for the gold trim they're done now but yeah. that that was actually quite a bit of work yeah. with them like all the different like there's like seven blues in there so yeah it was it was a little bit of work <laughs> cool <laughs> so we we can do a lightning round shut up and take my money because I'm sure everybody's uh, saving up for uh, Christmas now at this point in time right. That was what? What, what, sure. what is yeah. this saving it's already thing fall. you talk about? It's already fall. Like we're into September. No, I, I don't have technically it's summer still. So. I don't have any loved okay. ones, so Christmas is kind of easy peasy. Okay. Well, shut up and take my money uh, for this week. It's probably just more Eldar stuff to uh, fill it with. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah I picked up some bikes today. Wow. But what did you? Didn't, aren't you? Getting, oh, you did already. Didn't yeah, I'm converting up all the. I have five old shining spears. Uh, I want to run a squad of nine, so I'm converting up new bikes because the old ones I painted like. 10 years ago and they're not terrible but they're definitely not what Same I can do now yep. and the new sculpts are definitely a lot more dynamic <laughs> yeah for sure for sure uh, and uh, back then I didn't have an airbrush so that was a model that I primed black and painted white so there was a <laughs> lot of paint on those models a lot of brush strokes they're not coming back gotcha Fair once, once the new ones are out the old ones are gonna disappear well, I'll keep them I'll keep all my old LR stuff they just go on the bottom shelf oh okay uh, <laughs> It's going on the bottom shelf. Yeah, so I think that's it for me. Nothing crazy. How about you, Dan? Um, I'll probably be getting a Reaver Titan because why not? You need one to have the uh, the maniple that I want to use for the Warhounds and stuff. Anyway, no, there's no way to have like a just Warhound maniple or anything like that. Uh, so I'll be getting one of those. But um, actually, interestingly, one of the things I'm looking at getting is commissioned, not like painting miniatures, but uh, potentially some artwork. There is uh, somebody on the Twitter and DeviantArt and all the other stuff that uh, she's done some like wicked cool, um, like really, really professional looking uh, fan art in the past for Horse Heresy stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had an idea brewing in the back of my mind for a while to get a commission of a um, bit of a spoiler alert for Betrayer, but I won't say why it happens, but Karn and Erebus have a duel yep. and I need to have that on my wall. Yep. So that's that's gonna cost like a lot of money, but it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I was I'm surprised. I was kind of toying with the idea of some of those new Necromunda Chaos stuff. I'm surprised you didn't uh, mention that new Necromunda Chaos stuff. Yeah, well, uh, they they came out with the PDF rules, but there's those are no new models. Those are like Chaos Cultists and oh, okay, old shitty plastic spawns and stuff like that. But the um, yeah, that's something that I guess is a bit of a tangent. Um, the white, was, uh, the old white dwarf lists from earlier this year that had the chaos cult and the gene stealer cult. Yeah. And there were some issues with some of the rules mechanics and stuff. And people were starting to get a little bit antsy for why they hadn't been FAQ'd. They actually on the website just released completely redone PDFs of those two games. Oh, so there's no new models with that. 
Uh, so yeah, no new models, gotcha. but um, okay. they did update the gangs. So like the psychic powers work better, um, like with the new gang war rules for psychers and stuff gotcha. like that. Cool. So they fix a few of the yeah fix a few of the errors with the uh, with the gangs and how they work. Cool. Wardo. Nice. Uh, I would also put myself down for Reaver Titan. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Or two. <laughs> like or I'll three. probably get two in the end, but for now I might just get one because there's they're only seventy bucks, which is better than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> I, I was worried they were going to be a hundred. Still, but, did you yeah. did you send Roy an email already? Because I did. Not yet. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'm only getting one off the hop. I think. <laughs> oh yeah. So Mike, you got one to the ball. That's yours. Shut up and take my money. Well, I got a little bit more. Mine is definitely two. Yeah. <laughs> definitely two re- reavers. Two reavers and uh, the Nurgle Blood Bowl team. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. We already talked about that last week. Yeah. yeah. I'm 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 very tempted. I. I Tempted to pick up some of the Nurgle stuff. I really kind of want to do Mortarian. I want to paint that up. And then also the Blood Bowl team looks cool. I've always kind of liked some of the, the Nurgle stuff. I think it's always fun. I think it would challenge my painting, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to. The, the flesh is, the, the king flesh is always nice. Yeah, I think I think your, um, some of your racks and the other stuff for the Dark Eldar, even though you'd be using different tones, yeah. I think <laughs> some of those same techniques and stuff would transfer over to Nurgle. Mm-hmm. With some of the you know guts and yep. other disgusting bodily fluids and whatnot. Yep, that's kind of the point. Yep. But uh, I've noticed nobody has said Rogue Trader. It's not up for sale yet. It's pre ordered pre-order Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, is it? Saturday so yeah, and I don't, I'm waiting to see first. How's that? Because I'm actually starting to loot, like a little bit of the Lester on the set is coming off. Some of the models have a little less detail than I thought. I'm still going to pick that up for which sure. Which I'm almost looking for a reason not to buy it because, again, that, uh, that painting I'm commissioning is going to cost like basically double what I was budgeting for. Did I'm really see- interested to see what they do for the 40k side of things because I, I think it's going to be one of those games where I'm probably not going to play a ton of Kill Team. Like, yeah. As much as people... I think I think Kill Team is catching on. It's still not as popular, and I'm not, and nobody in my circle is really playing Kill Team right now. Right? I think that could change pretty quick. But If Tom um, was here, there's a Wayne's World quote, I would say. Okay, well... But... Yeah. Tom's Fuck not Tom. here. He's not here. Tom, just imagine, <laughs> imagine Tom. the Wayne's World quote about Star Trek. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to pick that up because I, the models are cool, and I've always liked the Inquisition-type stuff, like those sort of warband-type uh, armies. <clears throat> so depending on how you can play that in 40K is kind of the only uh, thing that I'm interested in. They said that they're going to have rules, but match play is going to be weird for them. Like, I don't know how they're going to work for a detachment. I could, I could see them being one really overpriced squad a la uh, the Death Watch Overkill box. Yeah. Where you could have that, like, special character Death Watch squad, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I could see them doing something like that, but I, I, that that won't be good. Do they have a price <laughs> for the Rogue Trader box yet? I don't know. No, I pre-orders on Saturday. Okay. I assume, which is a wild bit of speculation, I assume it'll cost the same as the regular Kill Team starter set. 160 Because why wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it because Chaos Spawn would be kind of cool from that box set. And yeah, way I mean, better than do, the other ones. They do yeah. look a little bit nurgly, but again, you throw a little bit of purples and blues and pinks in there, and they can just be Chaos Spawns. They're so, super cool. So that would be also tying in yeah. with the Thousand Suns. And so again, nurgle models in there. That's why I would kind of go with that, possibly. So, But I'll have to see. Maybe Saturday. Maybe next podcast we'll talk about that it'll be road yeah and hopefully they'll have a little more uh, reveal on how they're all going to work so it's kind of cool yeah exactly so fair enough all right ward what's our first uh, period here well we're going to talk about the warhammer community event support that was announced just the other day yep so if you have not been following along with the nova coverage 
they're offering three tiers of support. They're going to offer a uh, limited, or I can't remember what they called the first one. Uh, listed, supported, listed. and endorsed. Yeah, so the listed being you basically, I guess, email them and are like, hey, I'm having an event, and they'll throw it on a calendar somewhere. I'm assuming that, like with everything GW, it'll be nicely presented, um, easy to sort of search, I hope. Uh, probably, probably a breakdown of like what system you're going to run. And regions. Back. Hopefully some sort of breakdown, at least by continent. Yeah, that too. Uh, I imagine they'll have some sort of geolocation so you can find events near me, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's the, um, the blurb on the website says, so you can see at a glance what's going on near you. Yeah. So it should hopefully have uh, some level of regional filtering. Yeah. But then the other two levels they're going to have is the mid-tier one. Supported. Supported, which is interesting that it jumps from like, hey, anything goes, to you need to have 500 attendees. Uh, which seems pretty big, but at the same time, like not not crazy. I think you could uh, some of the like uh, attendees is the big one. Is that tournament registrants or people through the door? It's kind of my question because that makes a big difference. Yeah. Like if you have um, like we have a number of tournaments uh, in Edmonton, like uh, when they run a tournament at like May Day or whatever, it's a larger gaming event which probably does easily qualify for the five hundred attendees. Yep. but the tournaments might have twenty five people. Yeah, which is which is so, exactly the point. So I'm interested. It'll be interesting to, to see how they do the accounting of that for sure. Because even like T Shift and some of the bigger events down in the states, like uh, Bay Area Open, there are 120 players. Yeah, like, they're nowhere near the 500 mark. Like, uh, and th- that's kind of my my other point is the like. So the next tier is their endorsed events, and the endorsed events are like very specifically uh, sought out by GW kind of events. So that's your LVO, your Novas, Adepticons, that kind of thing. Yeah, they don't have a specific number tied to them for um, for applications or whatever, but yep. it is very much like GW will pick the endorsed events, and those are the ones that will have your um, pre-release seminars and yep. potentially bringing in some like staff and studio guys. But the interesting part is Nova's tournament for 40K was only 256 players. Oh, and they say only, that's still huge. <laughs> But I imagine they're sort of aiming for, like, attendees playing, uh, you know, GW games because they had Age of Sigmar, they had the Friendly. They probably hit that 500 mark as well. But I think even some of those bigger events like Nova, um, if you registered just tournament players or people in events, you might actually have some trouble hitting 500 for some of those systems. And I think the the number, if I'm remembering correctly, from uh, when Dave Taylor was on the episode, I believe he said there was... Uh, like a target of around 1,800 people through the door at Nova. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if they... Probably, they probably hit 500. I imagine yeah. they would. But again, 40K players, not sure. Or, well, GW players, I should say. 500 mm-hmm. seems a bit high. Yeah, maybe. if it was just straight up 500 tournament registrants, like, yeah, there's going to be like three Las events Vegas on that open, list. Adepticon, Nova, that's probably it. Like, yeah, there yeah. is maybe something at Gen Con that big. No, uh, Gen Con tournament's not that big. Well, then overseas too, right? Salute probably yep. would have a... I don't know. Do they have a lot of gaming game. at Salute, or is that mostly painting? I think it's quite a bit Well, the London too. GT was the biggest uh, 40K event they've ever had in Europe. But I, it was like 200 players. I don't know if that's going to be the same next year. No, it sounded pretty bad, but <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that's the second they've got They've got lots of room to improve, especially on their terrain. Positive yep. spin. Well, when you have the biggest event you've ever done by a significant margin, that's kind of difficult to get trained. Yeah, there, there's some growing pains when you have a massive jump in your attendance yeah. on short notice. And you're not prepared, but at the same time, like, don't sell that many tickets. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Kickstarters that keep growing out of control, and they're like, <laughs> how are we going to produce all these, like, millions of figures yeah. in three months like we promised? Oh, well, we'll just keep taking people's money. Yeah. 
yeah, but the thing, so. the thing that's interesting about this is GW's jumping back into like they used to the first time I played in the tournament was a Warhammer GT run by Games Workshop mm-hmm. yep. they were the sole proprietors of the tournament my circuit. first trophy yeah yeah, they, that's what they used to do. They used to run everything. There wasn't really an independent tournament circuit. So I find it interesting that they're sort of now moving to a halfway point, like partnering kind of situation. And it's interesting, too, that it's not like a financial sponsorship or pro- necessarily prize support even. Yep. It's more like we will use our fairly substantial platform to promote your event. Yep. And potentially, like if you do get one of the higher tier events... And they're sending, like, the Warhammer TV crew or Duncan or yep. guys like Jeff and Frankie show up or whatever. Like, if any of that level stuff is going on, that is for sure going to get butts in the door. That's yep. going to sell tickets. Oh, totally. But it's not necessarily just them throwing money at an event. It is something that they can use for their promotion and their coverage. Yeah. It's a lot more of, like, I don't know. Scratch, like, scratch your back. You it's more of a win-win rather than just we're going to throw money at you. Because there's no guarantee. Oh, yeah, like, I totally... Well, the, the, if they just gave you $500 in gift certificates or whatever, like, that wouldn't really do them a lot of good beyond that local scene. No, and that's that's kind of the thing that's interesting is, like, so the ITC did exactly this, right? Like, the idea for the ITC was get people out to local events, grow the community, and, you know, the rising tide uh, lifts all boats kind of thing, right? Like, if you can get more people at events... Uh, frontline gaming is going to make more money. Is that, is that why we're doing global warming? Yes. The entire we, need, we need higher boats? We do need higher boats. Um, but my, the, my boats are critically low. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> so low. You have a boat? <laughs> more importantly? You still have uh, Dread Fleet, right? Yes, technically. <laughs> it's in my basement, so it is currently you below grade. Very, very low. Um, no, but the idea being that you you get an event on Frontline Gaming's site, you get more people there, they sell more product. It was basically the, the general idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it made sense for them. The fact that GW wasn't doing it is kind of weird, and the, as much as I like the ITC, their presentation of how to find events near me is just a giant list, and they say, like, use Control-F, like, uh, on the page to try and find, like, events near you. So I typically search Canada, or like Washington state when I'm looking for events and it's not great. And my point is the idea is excellent. Frontline gaming is not making any money off of this. If GW takes this over and does it like the way that they've done their web presence, uh, recently, this could be really, really solid, right? You're going to them to buy your product anyways. And at the same time, you can sort of say like, maybe they integrate this in their checkout process or whatever and say, Hey, by the way, uh, there's events happening near you. Take a look at these, right? That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think GW's problem before is is they were throwing money at events and not realizing what they needed for venues or anything like that. Yeah, right? people so. aren't really going there for <clears throat> the prizes. Typically, people are going there for the community, and I think this is a better direction. Yeah, and I mean, if they don't have to front that money necessarily, yeah. but just still get, offer the like the support, like the, the yeah, this gives them also the ability to be hands off yeah. too, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I I th- I think it's interesting. I'm going to be contacting them about onslaught to see where I would fit into the role. I'm guessing I'm going to be the low tier. It's probably yeah. going to be just based purely on attendance, uh, restricted to listed. So you're probably not going to have Jeff Robinson show up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I think you'd have to start selling tickets. To, uh, I imagine that like the number of con badges you sell, kind of thing, is is how they're going to imagine. Even if you're selling like five true. bucks at the door. Just you know, kind of stuff whatever, so. that could technically for because there's a lot of people that come and hang out or do open gaming on Saturdays or whatever. There's pro and your official numbers is probably like you know a good chunk of the way there. It's not 
It's not quite at the point of rounding up to 500. Yeah, I imagine you're <laughs> probably at least within the quarter mark, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I would say halfway. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I think 500 is, like, I get that they don't want to have, like, people coming out to events for smaller events uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing, but the 500 seems high. So my, like, my only point. And one of the, one of the um, support levels for the supported tier as well is just to have, like, a featured article on the Warhammer community site. Yeah. So even to, like, not have an article for, like, a 300-person or 200-person event, I don't know. It, maybe it, maybe there is, like, an exponential increase in the number of tournaments, and they didn't want to just automatically qualify, like, yeah. tons of events that they couldn't give proper coverage. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is you they're not going to, I think, want just random people sending in photos of these events and, like, promising we'll do an article for this, and the yeah. quality of the photo or whatever is quite poor. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to present that well. So if they can't send an actual person there to sort of control a little bit of that content themselves when they're actually sort of more putting their neck on the line for these things, yeah. it does make sense. True. Just and I mean there there might time. be there might be varying stages within each tier as well, right? Like yeah. what? How long has your event been around? Uh, how many game systems do you do? Is it strictly GW or yeah. is it multiple systems? That sort of thing. So totally. I think I think just applying and like talking to them, I think would be I think beneficial to any any group or any um, uh, tournament organizer just to get your event on the page. And if there's any doubt, just fill out the form to apply for support or coverage or whatever you call it. There's an event support form link on that Warhammer community article. You go there, gives you a link to the form, you fill it out, you submit, and, you know, they'll either support your event or they don't. They can answer questions along the way. So it definitely doesn't hurt to apply. So the question is, does this affect anybody at the table... Uh, in the way they attend tournaments or events. Does anybody see the, around the table actually using this? Because in, in theory, it sounds great. I think I would be using it from the other side to like help promote, promote the onslaught. Event. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> for me, I, I think I have like a set number of events that I would go attend and go attend them anyway, regardless if GW's official support would be there or not. Yep. And I've seen their... Um, support kind of grow just at the events that I have attended, so it wouldn't be necessarily me going out of my way to go to a different event for that. Gotcha. How about you, Mike? Does this change anything for you? Uh, no, not really. I they've been out, I think they've been out of it so long that I, I think they're just used to them not being there, and now that they're there, it doesn't really make a difference to me at this point. I, I would have to have see something tangible before... Yeah, it would make a difference to me, right? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally fair. Um, I see this. So I, I see this tool being super useful, and actually, I, I would use it quite a bit to try and track down more events. Um, however, I'm also really leery about uh, GW jumping back into the tournament space. You know, like their tournaments in the past were interesting. Right. And well, they still run tournaments and everything, and by all accounts, the the stuff that they're on at Warhammer World is still it's not done by the design studio. Yeah. That's done by like the shop there, effectively. So, but those are still some pretty substantial sized yeah. events yeah. And, and everything. They seem to go off pretty well, and I think ultimately, still they're not they're not organizing the event. They're not putting out the scenario packs. They're just saying you put out the event, we will promote it. We will help get some people in the door. I might put a thing up on the on the website or whatever. Like, unless you're getting to those massive convention, which let's face it, you're not like starting a several thousand person convention 
right off the hop without already having an established presence. Yeah. So like those kind of people, like I'm guessing the infrastructure is already in place and this yep. is just going to, again, help, um, help get some coverage out there. But I don't know. I think because GW is not the ones running the events or putting together the tournament structure, it really lets the community determine what needs to happen and come up with their own solutions for formats and everything, yep. which I think is probably, you know, for the best for the most part. I guess one of the things that I'm kind of getting at is the, the independent tournament circuit is really what kept 40K alive and GW alive through the malaise years that were not good. Um, I'm interested, like, I, I can see a CEO change like we've seen in the past really changing the direction of GW for the better. Mm-hmm. If they're sort of involved with these tournaments and you have a CEO change in the other direction, right, that uh, they decide they don't want to do support for these events or whatever else, I could see that also being a huge problem for the, the community. Um, it would definitely have a bit of an optics issue if they pulled out, but again, because I think they're augmenting an independently set up and run tournament, they're not, it's not like these events are going to crumble if they withdraw their support. Yeah. It's just they're not going to have as much promotion, so people have to work a little bit harder on sure. the social media and the other stuff. Like, Yeah, and I'm playing devil's advocate for sure. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm saying that I'm going to use this tool. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be good. I think they're basically going to take what Frontline's doing and make it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how about, so you didn't uh, didn't answer the question. Do you think you're going to use it? Um, I'll probably check it out. I don't really realistically see me traveling for events much at all in the near future, just because I'm still make. I will be making the mortgage payments for the next twenty three years, and <laughs> I still have another year of car payments before I really have that level of disposable income that I'm used to. Oh, it's yeah. commission artwork. Commissioned artwork. I've been yeah. saving for that most of the summer, but yeah, that is still a bit of a hit to the pocketbook because again, double what I was budgeting for, but still going to do it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that I will definitely check out and I really hope they do a good job. Cause I think I do see a lot of benefit to it. And even just having a proper, um, ge- geographic location filter yeah, on that listing so that it's not I a complete know. cluster. Like if they get a little bit loosey goosey on who's allowed to list and there's like dozens or hundreds of events and there's no proper way to filter yep. it, it's going to be basically useless so um I, i've mentioned I this to reese that, that that's yeah. the biggest thing they need to do is just the the hundreds of events that's difficult to find like it's really easy to overlook one near you like if they had they need to have something for that that works it's probably not going to be something as cool as having like a heat map or whatever where you can see like light up the different states for the different things like this that is, would be this cool is, this but. is now in my my wheelhouse that's actually not hard to do <laughs> so that, that's why I'm kind of like, they should be doing that. That's not a difficult thing. If you you have a decent web developer, it's pretty straightforward to do those kind of graphics and that kind of thing. And so. I hope they don't spend $4 million on the tool, because that might set unreasonably high expectations for what they get back out of it. Exactly, yeah. Bit of a shot at their web development in the past. Yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Sounds like we're all more or less positive on that one. Moving forward on to buildings and tiny buildings. GW has released uh, several buildings recently, so they've released the Sector Imperialis. Yep. Uh, Re-released, I guess, in kind of a <clears throat> way. Yeah, in a new updated way yep. and, and such, so for yep. 40k, uh, mainly with their t- kill team sets that have uh, recently come out. And then uh, Adeptus Titanicus has also released a bunch of tiny buildings yes. uh, that you can also create and build and uh, stack on each other. So mm-hmm. Wow. Just kind of giving you, just to kind of tell give me you, more. Well, so I I splurged and I picked up the big sector as well. Oh. So I have a lot of tiny buildings. 
So that's what. Okay, 12, that's twelve of each sprue. Twelve the of big, each sprue. Big sector for Titanicus is a. It's a big sector of small buildings. <coughs> yes. So yes. in the Titanicus starter set, you get four sprues of uh, each building. Yeah. So yeah, they have sort of like a, a large sprue and a small sprue. Like there's two different terrain sprues, and yeah, the starter set comes Grandmaster Edition. Not starter set. Comes with four of each. Gotcha. Yeah. And then the uh, big sector comes with eight of each. Gotcha. Uh, to, to build your buildings. Now, there's... And they're in 10 mil scale? Eight. Eight. Eight mil scale. Yeah. Okay. So they're a little off drop zone. Yeah. Somewhere in between, but it's it's within it's rounding close, distance pretty, for sure. It's pretty close. So that you wouldn't notice. After after building them, though, they, the buildings seem quite small compared to like the cardboard uh, oh, yeah, yeah. ones that so have come skyscrapers. So the, yeah, exactly right. So because uh, I was going to say for Mike, <clears throat> did you pick up any of the train? <clears throat> oh yeah, of course. Well, it came in the Grandmaster. It edition. came in the Grandmaster. Edition. Gotcha. Because yeah. uh, I would imagine that you have enough drop zone, you probably wouldn't jump into the train right away. Yeah, models first. Yeah. Yeah, models for Also, I know you. Terrain yeah. is not your favorite. I hate fucking terrain. <laughs> I, I've never fucked any terrain, so I imagine it's kind of rough and spiky. Yeah, that's why we don't like it. So, <laughs> so have either of you built any of the buildings yet? I built them all, Ward. Yeah? I have not yet. I've been mostly painstakingly trying to like map out, because I don't want to run out of pieces. Mm-hmm. And most of the stuff that I'm sketching out, once I actually add up how many pieces are required to build it, I'm like, oh, I get two buildings out of my set. Because I'm going big. You're going to go big. Okay, gotcha. Oh, so it's probably, all modular? Like, you can put you, it, you can make it as big as you want? You, kind of thing? you, you can, can. Yes, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. So you could build one single giant skyscraper? Yes. yes. Cool. Theoretically, yes. If, uh, if not necessarily it, recommended. I've seen people who've actually done that. There's people online where they have built an entire sector box into one gigantic yeah. building just because. Yeah. And it looks super cool. But then you have one building. But it's completely useless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I want to do a few different ones. Like I built everything from the uh, directions from inside the the starter set. Uh, they give you what A to F different style yeah, yeah, of buildings yeah. and and such. And the the layout for those ones are kind of cool because again you can stack them. You can. Uh, yeah. It's uh, a nice stack add them too. Together. They'll wedge like together. Like they slot together. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Even yes. when they're fully assembled, you can slot one on top of another to add extra floors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, which means there's slight gaps. In I the haven't top looked layers. at any of the Titanicus stuff, but the 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 larger the the 28 mil scale sector Imperialis is mm-hmm. it like the same interlocking system? No, no, no. completely different. Because these yeah. are all intact buildings, not ruins. That's why oh, we're going to talk about the difference. Uh, okay, well, I, I, hey, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even really looked at the scenery for Titanicus. I've only ever it's always been background stuff, right? I've always been looking at the actual Titans because I don't. I'm like, I'm kind of with you. I don't really care about scenery. But I, the necessary people <laughs> that I have to. I, I also think that's part of the reason that they painted it like the grays and whites the way that they did yeah. is so that the Titans stand out way totally. More oh yeah, for on sure. The tabletop, right? So it's, terrain is not what's going to sell that game. No. And if you don't <laughs> no. like the terrain, you can in fact smash buildings in the optional rules. So if you're yeah. like fuck you scenery, I hated dry brushing you. You can kill that terrain. Oh cool, it's deformable terrain. Yeah, you can smash it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm so so. The nice thing is that yeah, you can stack it and such. Um, I find that the buildings uh, with the directions uh, are very limited. I'd probably only build one or two of each, and then like Dan said, I'd kind of customize my own mm-hmm. and, and build some different shapes because all the ones that they have right now are really blocky. Like you have a rectangle and you have squares. That's that's gotcha. about it, right? So and there's some really cool stuff that people have shown online with like different like H-shaped buildings and stuff like that where 
if you start adding those little crenellations and weird shit, you start like exponentially ramping up the number of pieces you need. But they look so good. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only issue that I found with the assembly of it is with the flat panels. If you're adding that uh, beam piece in between, that can be a little bit tricky. Uh, so what I've been doing is just going the beam on one side and then just slowly sliding the other piece so that way it sits flat. Amateur. You've got a better way? Yeah, use a square. Wow. Then you line them up both, then you just glue the, the strut and slap them in. Yours. Are you a machinist by any chance? Shh, don't tell people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I don't have a square, I'm you doing a machine. You should, you should have a square <laughs> in your uh, toolbox, if nothing else. Do you have yeah, a square? Yeah, I do. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. You don't have a toolbox with a square in it? No. Then you're not a normal human being. No, I'm not. There you go. <laughs> Actually, legitimately, a square is super useful for these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just any kind of... You could like or build your own deal. Do you have you're into drafting? Dad doesn't have a square. I don't have one either. anymore. If you did drafting, anymore, you have I a used to. A yeah, little triangle? Sorry. Even a triangle would work. Like those little... You remember those ones that you used to have for like... Yeah, combination square. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, a yeah. sausage triangle? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Sure. Okay, <laughs> work. Oh, are you talking about like a protractor set? Yeah, they came with that little triangle thing. That would work too. Yep. It would help. It would definitely help. You just yeah, have, you to have, just a, 90, like you just have a ninety guy. degree angle, and you just line up one, and then slide another one up. Then you throw the beam in between. You're done. Or a cereal box. And you just let that dry for a little bit before you move on to your next section. But do you find your beam is not necessarily ninety out of the terrain piece? No. Oh, Does your okay. beam lean to the left? <laughs> yeah. Which which it's direction is your beam riding on? No, I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. it. It sits flat. The only problem you have to be careful is yeah. is you when you know those little tiny sections that go on top of the wall yes. that add extension. You have to do those after the bottom set is dry and and steady. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems there. Gotcha. Yeah. That's so. If you want the taller buildings, then yeah, yeah. take your time. Make sure the base is solid. Yeah. It's almost like building an actual building. Yeah. Building. Like a foundation. Like, or like I'm a structural engineer. Look yeah. at me. And because one thing interesting too is there's there's three different heights of the modular sections. Yeah. Like it's when I first got this set, I made the the silly mistake of assuming it would all be like one set um, height for all mm-hmm. the different uh, no. floors, but they have uh, like the main section, which is like the one you know single increment. They have one that's like more. Let's like I think it's one and a half, and they have one that is half of that middle size as yep. well. So they have they actually have the three different levels, and so when you're building out in your head all these like big crazy structures, you have to be a lot more aware of how many of each size that you're using because you only, you only have a limited amount of each. Mm. So like there's definitely a lot of planning and measure twice, cut once is always a good rule of thumb when you're doing a lot of these um, these kind of projects. But I think. Because of the way these modular kits are, where there's there's a limited number of um, the ceiling pieces as well. Yeah. So I think you really have to be a lot more careful for doing a quick little inventory of how many pieces your little planned out structures are going to use. Because mm-hmm. if you're not following the instructions and doing all those um, pre-configured setups, you could definitely find yourself, oh shit, I ran out of the middle size sections and I'm not done building my building, how the hell do I finish it, you know? Yeah. I also like the um, the ceilings that they do have is, like, you can flip. They're double-sided. They're double-sided, so there's yeah. ventilation, there's tubing on the top of the yeah. buildings, and, and then some of those just are flat. And That's so cool. That kind of like gives, gives you a little bit of variation when you're building your buildings. Yeah, and it, it does seem like one of the two sides is a lot more industrial-looking than the other, and the other one is just very plain. Okay, so we've talked about Titanicus a ton. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the system that is better 
<laughs> it's bigger, that's for sure. It's bigger, yes. yeah. So, <laughs> you're going to lose here, Steve. You should stop. I know that. I'm outnumbered. I know I'm outnumbered. I just wanted to be an asshole. So this, the Sector Imperialis, I, I feel that they did a really good job with as well. Um, I found that the assembly of those buildings uh, is actually they put a lot of thought when they designed the actual pieces and such. Yeah. Did you, did you pick up any of those? Way yeah, better. you hate terrain. What the hell is wrong with you, Ward? You no, know I this shit. I bought, I, bought, <laughs> I bought some for Dale as a birthday present. So we actually, I did get a chance to look at them. Yeah. Um, so the only comparison that I have is to the existing Sector Imperialis. Oh, the huge oh, difference. Oh my God, are they huge better. Huge the, difference. The way the floors alone fit together, instead of having to glue them just like and hope that they stick together. You know how the old ones, like, yes. they had no way of actually fitting together. Mm-hmm. The, this with the columns, the column yep. pieces fit in, and uh, and and you can do, like, a slight angle if you wanted to. You don't have to go, like, straight on. Yeah, there's also some pieces underneath, like, little light fixtures that are actually yeah. designed to bridge the gap and yes. reinforce those seams as well, which is brilliant. Yeah. Th- those ones, are, yeah, for directly for... Uh, like, if you don't want to do a column every single the corner, ceiling, the you ceiling can still tires have, and everything like, like yeah, that. a bit so. of reinforcement. The, the other th- nice thing, too, about the columns is, like, when you're doing the assembling, uh, you can hide one of the seams when you're actually yep. doing the buildings by fitting your next wall section against it. So your seam that you uh, have for that column is completely gone, yep. and because it's part of it's already attached to a wall section, you don't even see that seam. So they've they've managed that you're able to hide a bunch of your seams, uh, and your building looks super clean without any like big issues at all. Yeah, yeah. So. The other thing that I quite like about it too is they've made the the floors uh, much taller. My, yeah, which which I think is actually with the way scale has crept in 40k, it was a necessary thing for them to do. Finally, yeah, because getting a lot of the bigger models, especially like any like Primaris dreadnoughts or any of that craziness, that was like half again the size of the previous floors. Yeah. And they actually fit quite comfortably, for the most part, under a single level with a roof on the new buildings. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, their, their terrain rules are a bit weird because the primary stuff can't move through the buildings. So it's like... Well, they have those gigantic archways, right? So you, exactly. Yeah, you could, if you, you can could physically fit through the gap and not Kool-Aid Man through a wall. Yep. Or, like on the Warhammer TV stream, if somebody is standing too close to the wall, you can just charge the wall and engage them that way. Yep, which we'll talk about later, the, the stream. I wanted to actually touch on that. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so those buildings look leaps and bounds better than the existing ones, yeah. uh, which is about time. They've had such incredible advances in their models and that kind of thing, and their terrain has just languished. And the the way they're doing all these um, kits designs um, now in CAD software, yep, they are building everything to be in exact increments of like um, for interchangeability. Yeah, so the. Um, again, we talked about it a little bit in the past on the, on the, and that's the thing, the episode. CAD software. And sometimes I, th- I don't totally like for some of the models. I like some of the old hand sculpts a little yeah, bit. It takes some more. of the essence out of some of the models. But for terrain, ways. I mean, that's absolutely the way to go. Yeah. We're fit and finish need to be to a much higher state to ensure modularity and all yep. the rest of it. Like if you had something that is, as again, Mike would know, um, you know, from his background, if you have something that's off by a couple millimeters or a couple degrees and you're stacking <laughs> multiples of these things together yeah. by the time you're done one. it's going to be way off yeah right so like having these things that they slot together better they, they go together stronger they're easier to line up flush the things line up to each other without any like and that's you know, the big thing rigging. is terrain needs to be durable yeah terrain needs to be thought mm-hmm. of and be be durable yeah. and the new stuff doesn't look at, like it doesn't look like it's going to have all the little bits that snap off of it where the floors fall apart 
He doesn't uh, have those lethally spiky bits that some of the old cities of death, uh, yeah. cities of death stuff had either. These ones, you mean, that destroy your hands right here that the radio can't see? I think if you grab underneath the new buildings, like the the archways and such, those those have quite a few spiky little. Yeah, bits they still got to have so. the gothic thing going. Oh yeah, on. I for get sure. that. So, but, but these these buildings, just compared to the new ones, are so bad. Yeah, I I picked up the <laughs> basilicum and the sanctum, and I I've built the basilicum, and when I was putting the second floor on, I was like, holy shit. It locks in. This is well. It locks in for one, so you don't have that like wavy wall uh, yeah. syndrome as the old buildings often did have. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the fact that like it was fucking huge with yeah. two floors. Not <laughs> oh, even, I know. Not even the third cat floor yet, right? Yeah. So two floors high. That thing is pushing a foot tall. Two foot. Yeah, it's, it's the same height as three floors before. Like you've got that much again, right? From the old uh, buildings. Yeah. So. The big statues look awesome. The little oh, statues big, look awesome. The like, crazy the flying buttresses. Ones. They look way more gothic they look just like compared to okay we have terrain here these are the old buttresses right yeah now the new ones are just so much more like they actually look like they do something right they look structural they look they look imposing which yeah. is really cool they're not purely decorative yeah. looking like they look like they would actually reinforce the structure a bit yeah, totally so I feel like they knocked the buildings out of the park with in both with, systems with both systems. So uh, I I feel that the forty k kill team ones are way better. Which one, I was going to ask, which one's better than the um, Titanicus? Titanicus gives you the modular flexibility if you want to. But I don't feel that it's going to be necessarily useful all the way around. I feel well, that... Well, you don't ever put Titans in a building. Well, not... No, not they go through that. the building. Exactly. Yeah, not even that, but like... Like, Dan and myself touched on that we actually are going to ignore the instructions that come in it and not build all the buildings in that style and actually customize our own and such uh, just for variation, right? Mike, and what did you do with yours? Did you do the same thing? Did you build Well, I just built it there because I thought if I was going to get anything else at that point, then I could go crazy. But for sure. now, I just yeah. got out the bulk of the stuff. So... Yeah. I probably would have done the, the same as you. The, the first set is going to be exactly. The second set, if I get it, will be totally custom. Or the I will go off my own bearings and do the buildings however I want to. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I do, I do think that the 40K setup and the attention to detail, yeah. And as long as you buy it in the Kill Team starter set, you get psychotic value. And th and that I didn't pick up the Kill Team starter set. I just picked up a couple of boxes of terrain, and I feel that if I want more terrain, uh, well, not if, just matter of when, I'd <laughs> probably go with the Kill Team starter set just to get all really? that terrain. Yeah, I don't need any more ad mech. What? <laughs> No, it's but true. I mean, you could. You well, could I, I'm, 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 I'm no good. You I could, can't have it. You yeah, could, if, I, if, I, if that's the way to go, if you actually have to save the money, you don't pay anything for the models, and you can have my admin. You could pretty much melt the models, I'm pretty sure. With with the rule book for, for Kill Team and then the train, I think that's the yeah, there, cost of the There's start. easily like 100 bucks for the scenery in that box, plus the, what, $70 rules pack. So you're basically getting models for free. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I'll do that. We'll see. Um,. Yeah, I need to. I need to eventually redo my terrain. I've been talking about that for ages. But terrain is one of those things where I have. <laughs> I hear you. I have. I'm talking about this a lot. Where I have only so many hours in the day to, to hobby, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'd rather paint miniatures that I'm going to go game with because a lot of times I game at not my house and I don't even use my terrain. Right? It's like a. And my terrain is very functional. It works. So I, I find it difficult to get motivated to do terrain. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's fair, right? So. I, I really want to get actually some of those buildings commission painted up. That's oh. kind of the, the thought. Because I will have no qualms having somebody commission paint buildings. That won't bother me in the least bit. I, again, I think that's smart. I think that's a way to, again, avoid that whole moral, ethical issue of best painted at tournaments. Because you free up your free time to paint your armies for yourself and get somebody else to work on the scenery. Yep. And the scenery will probably be cheaper as well mm-hmm. because it's going to take them less time. Yep. So it's probably cheaper more in terms of your cost. Uh, yeah. 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 Your, your overall spend. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I haven't actually bought any of it or looked at any of it. So <laughs> really, so you guys have to do the ratings this time. Oh, who starts? Yes. Who's we up first? We haven't done this in a while. Uh, okay. I'll rate, I'll rate the 40 K terrain a five out of five. Okay. Um, just, I think the, the value I think is, is fair. Uh, the customizing that you can put into the buildings is awesome. And then the actual, like, uh, unique buildings themselves, like the Basilicum, uh, really stand out on the tabletop. Um, and then the Adeptus Titanicus terrain, I'd probably give a 3.5. Ooh, interesting. That's lower than a sounded. A little bit lower than, than, uh... Than probably was expected, but again, I feel that they're quite static. And unless you really there's no invest, lot of diversity to them. Yeah, unless you really invest into a lot of the buildings and possibly do a lot of conversions, uh, they are going to look okay. very similar on the Interesting. tabletop. Dan, yeah, I don't think I, I can really argue with any of your points there. The I might give the 40k stuff a little bit lower rating, like maybe a four, just because a lot of those really cool kits that I want are not what's in the starter set. So, like, if you get the Basilicum and all the other stuff, like, those are expensive kits. They're, these are huge. Yeah. They're you get like a lot 90, of value. They're $90 Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, like, you can very easily get into that territory of spending hundreds of dollars on a couple of buildings. Well, that's, and for I someone mean, who doesn't play a huge amount of 40K like me, that's a big limiter. But that's always that's always the way GW has I been, mean, though, right? With their the premium product. Like, if you want to get a table of terrain and you want to do the GW Realm of Battle board and you want to do their buildings <coughs> and the Mechanicum sector, you're going to spend $1,000 on a table. And, and that, I mean, that's a good point, too, Dan. Like, if you're not, like, a big gamer, like, investing into, like, all, all the buildings is not necessarily... Uh, worth it necessarily i think the mdf um, terrain makes way more sense in that case in that case yeah. in that case for sure but also with the tournament organizers like how much oh, do yeah. i want to spend on buildings compared to but like having having like one table like decked out i think in like the new city would be freaking amazing at nova gw's stream table had an entire hill of two of crates two of them two hills were 500 dollars each of crates yeah yeah those crate stacks they looked amazing but when i was looking at those pictures i was like is there any kind of cheating where it's like they don't have the sides but they're all glued together? I'm like, no, because you would need yeah, all those extra top pieces and those corner pieces. So I'm like, that's just full on like dozens of sets of crates. Yeah, yeah, per terrain piece. They look it's stupid. They look so good, but they yeah, hills of crates. I was terrified at the cost of that scenery, uh, that table that they had on the stream. It exactly. was like the stacked styrofoam hills that everybody's seen at, at tournaments, like the ones that I have at home yeah. and everybody else has. They basically created those out of crates but like they were where like it's, a foot by a foot where it's like the ones that are like 50 <laughs> odd dollars for three crates yeah. yeah they made entire gigantic hills out of those anyways like, so it's crazy talking about expense i'm just saying yeah. you can go nuts with gw terrain it's probably not cost effective argument i i see the four yeah and and the thing that separates them from the sector mechanicum stuff in my mind is the sector mechanicum stuff works for kill team Does works for work 40k for, yeah even for 40k it doesn't really block line of sight a lot of the giant like 
Pringle can style ones that are six inches wide do you? I have that. They're not six inches wide and they don't block a lot. I've played with them and I do not like it. Fair enough. Anyways. Fair enough. But uh, I, I I like that because it works for Kill Team, it works for Necromunda, it works for 40k to some extent or other. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a little bit more multi-use where even the stuff, it's almost too big for Kill Team. Because yeah. the buildings are so freaking huge that if you do multi-tier, mm-hmm. that's almost also, too big for Kill Team. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. So it's... It, some of its strengths are negated in the flexibility in in, the, in that way. Like you get a lot of size and a lot of value, but it almost sizes them out of the other skirmish games. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'd probably give them a four. And uh, the uh, the Titanicus stuff, I would probably put in that same three three point five range that Ward did, just because they are fiddly. They require a lot of planning if you're varying from the pre-supplied schematics. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to map it out and make sure that you're not going to run out of pieces halfway through. Because the last thing you want to do is run out of pieces and have to buy um, any separate sets. Because the the smaller set, like the $50 one, comes with two of each frame. And the 151 has eight of each frame. So you're getting a lot better value to get that bigger set. But if you don't need that bigger set, then it's like way too much money. Gotcha. So I think like going over on your parts requirements would be a very expensive proposition. Mm-hmm. And I'm very worried about doing that. Gotcha. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit trickier to use. Like you're not just going to be slapping pieces together and hoping it works out in the end and and ultimately think too they're not going to be the showstopper pieces no. of the kill team because just they're going to be smaller they're going to be simpler because you can't really paint all that detail that's sculpted on them that's not realistic so they're probably just going to be like airbrush dry brush a little bit of pigment done like it, it's hard to really again justify shelling out that much money for something that's not going to be super functional or a centerpiece yeah but, gotcha there's a lot of there's a lot of good design there, but it's yeah, it's not a home run necessarily. Mike, how about you? Okay, I'm gonna go three with the with the forty k stuff just because I hate terrain. <laughs> just a bitter bitter review. It's, over it's here. too much detail for me, man. I, I just can't. I, I, I no. There's less detail no. than the existing kit, which is nice. <sighs> there's not the one that's literally made out of you, skulls. You like you should have came to Kevin's the other night. Okay, okay, these ones. That's not so much detail as it's skull, 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 skull. This is the this is the worst panel that's ever been created by humankind. Oh, <laughs> I came up with a theory the other day that uh, the administratum is basically uh, like galaxy spanning coral reef. Okay. Where I was like, because if you look at a lot of those buildings, they're like structurally made out of skulls. So I'm like, oh shit, the people who die at their desks literally get built into the expansions of the buildings. So like the administratum is a giant coral reef that spans the entire galaxy. That makes sense. That's, I thought it was kind of neat. So you're going, you're going three. Yeah, and then I'm going to go three with the uh, Titanicus stuff as well, just because it's not very diverse, and it is unless unless you have a little bit of building experience, you're it's going to be a pain in the ass to put together. Or a square. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have Seriously, a square. Seriously, Ward, everybody should have a square in their home. Like, I, I don't Chris, understand. As Steve, I said, don't have a lot of tools. As Steve said, Christmas is coming. Maybe I'll put that on. A <laughs> just use a cereal list. box. Yeah. Great. You're good. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to rate them because I don't have any opinion on any of them. You have an opinion, but it doesn't I have an opinion, matter. but I, I haven't I've really looked at them. Yeah. When they come out with when they come out with the fucking train for Titanicus, Ooh, that's going to go. That's, that score is going to go through the roof. Yes. It's going to be good. <laughs> I will. Freaking sweet train. Okay. Throw all my money at that. We should move on. Uh, mm-hmm. So. This past weekend, uh, for those of you that weren't uh, paying attention to 40K Land, there was the Nova Open, which is a huge gaming event, not just 40K. We've talked about it a ton, especially we the had charity Dave side. Taylor on, yep. yeah. the uh, which none of us won anything. Uh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> 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 Thought we had um, the inside track. Yeah, we even had. Yeah, we 
I paid you a lot of money, and you <laughs> did not both in the auction and also bribes, and none of that worked. So uh, we probably, we probably didn't buy enough copies of his book. <laughs> That's true. I didn't buy any yet because I was not part of the Kickstarter, so that might be it. Um, but what was interesting is there were two things. There was the GW stream with Frankie and Jeff, which we should talk about at another point in time, another episode, but I thought was really, really cool. Um, and along with the commentary, they were sort of they were talking about the lack of uh, diversity in a lot of the top lists. There was a uh, significant portion of the field, especially in the Invitational, uh, where the list was Imperial Guard uh, Brigade, yeah, Castellan. Soup du jour was definitely an Imperial chowder of some sort. Yeah, totally. And it was, yeah, the Castellan, the Imperial Guard Brigade, and then the Blood Angels uh, Battalion with the two captains and the scouts. So that seems to be, by and, by and large, the most dominating list. It uh, came in one, two, and three. With a sprinkling of Dark Eldar to jam up your stratagems. Yes, Nick Nonavani uh, showed up in tied for third, uh, second, uh, second third spot, so I guess technically fourth or whatever. Uh, but they don't really do those tiebreakers at Nova. So, um, yeah, and then after that, it was another Knights list, very similar. Um, so... The long and the short of this is everybody's, of course, talking about the fat coming up and that they're going to, quote unquote, nerf the guard CP battalion or nerf the Castellan or, or whatever else they're going to reduce to try and add some more diversity back into um, into the game. So the question is, with GW every six months, pre- I'd say pretty radically changing the structure of tournament play, how does a casual gamer or somebody that's maybe not quite as willing to uh, just do the three color minimum kind of thing keep up with uh, with these changes and I don't have any particular good answers to this, uh, <laughs> this uh, problem um, what do you guys think well it's it's definitely tricky because well for starters since the beginning of eighth edition, like with the Storm Ravens or whatever they held in the Fire first, Raptors. the Fire Raptors in the first few weeks of the edition, they have shown their willingness via boots in the ground and stuff like that. Like if something is broken and ruining the game, they have shown that they're going to fix that. Yep. They're going to clamp down on that stuff as fast as they reasonably can. Yep. Rule of three. Then the next six months later, where you can't uh, have more than three of the same data sheet, uh, and all detachments have to be. Um, Pure, so you can't have in an Imperial detachment Space Marines and Imperial Guard in yeah. the same detachment. They have to be separate detachments. And they've already changed the way uh, command points are generated. So like, yeah. basically they've shown that uh, willingness to shift on the fly a lot more than they used to, which is something that Privateer Press is doing uh, to give them... like They have a rules development type forum on the website, um, and they're doing a lot more of the live points changes yeah. and, um, and that. Uh, Fantasy Flight is doing the same thing for X-Wing. So it is very much an industry trend right now to be a lot more responsive and not wait like, oh, well, when we fix this book in five years, then they'll get a rebalancing. Like, they're not going to wait that long anymore. Things are happening a lot more rapidly. So if you're committing $1,000 to an army based on some sort of loophole, you should maybe know better at this point because it's been at least a year of them clamping down on that stuff reasonably quickly. So my my question is then, do you buy units based on their efficiency in game like do you even do you even look at that doesn't matter you buy units based on the ease of magnetizing the arms so that when the so that when the rules change you can just go click click and then you have new arms that's not a bad idea um but i'm I'm thinking about like okay so you buy some imperial guard right or you you bought your blood angels and then you bought yep and suddenly but you didn't buy a full army you just bought 
what the, you need the, and yeah. nothing else. And suddenly it goes from being playable and very good, and you aren't necessarily maybe the best player in the world, so you're placing middle uh, middle of the pack, and suddenly it becomes awful. Okay, so... I feel, though, if you're a casual gamer that you're not really looking at that. Yeah. You're you more looking care. at the rule of cool. Uh, like, what looks good as an army? Like, me and you have had this debate before, like... Oh, I... I oh, hey, do you want to throw this in your list? I'm like, I like rubric marines. They look awesome. I How totally, about this? I, totally I like get, rubric marines. I, I put a 50-50 on everything that I purchase. Like, <laughs> Electro Priest, the only reason I picked those up is because they were a little bit better than their like than their looks in my mind. I had they have to have a little bit of both or be unplayable with the army without them kind of thing, right? Like I really think the looks of a unit is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when GW was not a not a rules company, not a game company, they were a miniatures company. That's when they really suffered. People buy stuff based on how good it is in game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's okay. Important. Like it's you're never you're not. It's not going to ever get to the point where people are buying things purely based on aesthetics. But I, I don't know. What I, you think, say, Mike? I think that what, what I was going to say is, you know, they're faxing now. You know, they're fixing these holes. So if you really want to have that super duper, I kill you with two shots army, you need to prepare yourself that that unit might be no good next. Month. Sure, like and, maybe. and swallow it. Okay, don't don't whine about it. You knew it's coming. <laughs> Take your lumps I and like go your... on and go on. To, if you want to find something else, find something else new. You probably are, anyways. You're probably going to find there's probably going to be a different loophole. But it, don't don't bitch to me about. I bought my ten dark angel or was it blood angels, and now I can't use them because they're not good anymore. It's like. Play an army Tough of blood angels. Shit. The problem yeah. was that they bought blood angels in the first place. Yeah, there is. You don't like people should know better. Blood angels sucks. People should know better than to do a blood angels army. Sparkle, sparkle, fall on your own sword, marines. Correct. Not cool. Yeah, I'm just saying you should. You you've got to know by now that if you're taking the loophole, it's not going to be there forever. Now, so yeah. sw- swallow your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I take your debt. I, I feel and like bow out gracefully and get something else now. <clears throat> yeah, if you if you've got the money to like that's fair. Spend told, yeah. absolutely. You could keep up with the the most current like. But locals. otherwise, otherwise no. But you know what? The people that don't care about that aren't playing those armies. Yeah, no, I agree with that. A lot of the a lot of the borrow hammer side of things, where people are just constantly trying to figure out what they can scrape from friends to make a, the most overpowered list, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's not the that's not the player base that I'm really really trying to talk about. I'm talking about the player that like picks up a Blood Angels army, let's say, mm-hmm. right? A Blood Angels army where they build it around Deep Strike, right? It's a pure Blood Angels army, super fluffy. That's they a problem. All salt marines. They go heavy on that direction, and then they find out that the Deep Strike rules change. So right? the, the DOA Descent of Angels list is sort of DOA in it, another sense. Yeah, though. I mean, <laughs> it's still playable, like, don't get me wrong, but it's it, now it takes a lot of skill to make yeah. Blood Angels really work. It ain't what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, it's not, and then they become basically like a smattering for another, another faction. So I, what I'm more getting at is those kind of players. How do you, should you even bother looking at rules, or should you just pick up models that you think are cool? I think you do have to look at rules just for like list building. Like you got to have some basic building blocks and fundamentals within a list. Yeah, and the game is a little bit too expensive just to be buying shit completely at random. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Forty K has a lot of synergy in it. Like when you were building your army for your Ultramarines, you were looking at Gilliman and the uh, 
shooty guys. Why can't I think of the name? Aggressors. Thank you. Right, and then you also got to look at your uh, stratagems and like what units do I like that can benefit from this? Like, is it worth me buying? Uh, three tanks when I only want to include one, yeah. or should I just not buy that tank and go with something this, else that I think looks cool? This is why I think yours that your your argument doesn't really apply to a lot of people is because I didn't over see the reason why it's killing a lot of people. I took all assault, I took all drop. Okay, but what happens if you had a mix or a smatter? Then it, it's not really affecting you as heavily, and it's not as big as an issue. Whereas somebody that went too far and was using loopholes, even though he had a fluffy army, he's still using his loopholes, and now it's not as effective. If yeah, you, not, I, I would I would push back on that. I don't think the the descent of angel stuff, like with the blood angels, is a loophole. That's how the army was clearly designed. And and with that, you're basically collecting a whole army. You're not. You're not collecting yeah. an army and throwing in like uh, a detachment of like a really strong unit here and there, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I'm a big fan of the fluffy armies and uh, oh, totally. Uh, I think it's better than it's ever been. Yeah, for the for the whole mm-hmm. the whole aspect of just like choosing like one codex and having everything draw from there. Yeah, but I do see the uh, appeal of like adding like a de- super heavy detachment like of like. Uh, a knight with your space marines, right? It's still, totally, it yeah. still is quite fluffy. It looks like a, an army in a lot of ways, too. Like, that's the other yeah. thing, that people can't really complain. Like, everybody talks about an army should look like an army and have lots of infantry, maybe one or two big things. These armies that won Nova... It sounds, it sounds like Tom was just in the room for a second. Yeah, well, no, that's... The armies that won Nova had a lot of guard infantry, one knight, a few scouts, and a couple of characters. Like, they kind of fit... I mean, the, the Blood Angel Battalion is the part in there that kind of gets a little bit... Now you're maybe a little bit out of... Uh, but, but we know that's coming. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> nonetheless, the, the guard plus the Castellan looks like what a lot of people would consider to be a proper-looking army, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it just happens to be... And I could see somebody almost building towards that, like a knight plus guard. And I think if if an army's built like that, it's gonna the the FAQs and such are gonna affect you a little bit less because there's gonna be something else that you can add into your guard like list. Yeah, it's it's the competitive players, let's say, that are choosing like skewing heavily. Yeah, those those three detachments that like are very unique and that don't really necessarily gel together, but they do in this circumstance. Yeah. So if something was to slightly tweak in one of them. It doesn't doesn't work at all. And then at that point, you're just like, okay, awesome. I got this small, like, little Blood Angel unit that was awesome. Doesn't fit with anything else that I'm collecting, like... Well, at least you only painted 17 Blood Angels that you're not going to use. And most likely, they probably (laughs) got a commission painted. And the other thing, though, that I do want to bring up, I'm playing... I I tend to agree that it's kind of a case of... Don't overthink it. Don't build this epic list and and go absolutely to town. You know, use your collection and and more the general than it is the the army list in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, again, the people that won this particular tournament were the best players taking the best list. There are a lot of people that played the same army and they came in middle of the pack, right? Um, So build what you want to what you want to build. Like, like come up with a synergy and a general plan. They're never... I don't think they're going to take away overarching themes like you're always going to be able to make reboot and the aggressors work right um but for people where i kind of i we have big collections and we can kind of make armies work on the fly Mm -hmm. i kind of think that some of the newer players that are getting into tournaments and they don't have the money or the time to build those collections makes it a little more difficult especially when they rebalance points or things like that that's where i'm kind of coming at from this for me i think a lot of it comes down to 
incentivize like encouraging a meta or a tournament scene that has like different formats so that you're not necessarily incentivizing the same way of playing every event. Like if you had a more oh, that's an interesting idea. Like if yeah, you did yeah, have yeah. a more casual yeah. event scene where maybe there isn't a best general award, maybe it focuses a lot more on the soft scores and then a best overall or something like that. Like yeah. again, if there if there is a revitalization of that type of a tournament, then yeah. people aren't necessarily going to be chasing the flavor of the month lists as hard. That's interesting. Because point. there's less incentive for it. Like right. and if people are just building the armies they want to build, playing games with them where the generalship only really factors into best overall, but they could still go for, you know, best appearance, they could still go for um, player's choice, best sportsman, whatever you want to call these other awards. So your advo- advice to that is not necessarily to the player, but more to the TO of the, the region. If it's something that you think is a problem in your area, maybe it's the the, the events that you're running. Yeah, because if, hmm. if we're, yeah, if there's, a, if there's events to go to where it's not a problem because no one really gives a shit about winning at all costs, yeah. then you can still play with your toys, you can idea. paint what you want to paint, still do okay, and the results don't matter as much, and it's, I think that level of diversity is still good for the hobby, because again, like, it's a point we've come back to with War Machine and some of the other systems in the past, is a lot of the other systems that are doing really well, um, they have, like, the multiple different styles of events, so that regardless of what your preferences are, there's an event that suits you. Yeah, that's interesting. And 40k still really is just, like, ITC format, you know, tournament practice for the big major, you know, events. And it's, I don't know, I think having that diversity of the style of event will lead to a little bit more diversity of armies because it's disincentivizing <laughs> that one optimum list. And what I, li- I liked what you said also, Mike, where build an all-comers list. Yeah. Like, take a little bit of everything and build that list initially. Yeah, like, and then you can go off and, like, if any part of your army gets nerfed, well, you just kind of shift over a little bit and do this. And it, that doesn't cost you that much more. You don't have to trash the whole army at that point. Yeah. Just yeah. And slight it's, adjustment, right? And tying into that as well, I think the safest way to build an army is not to bank on allies. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're yeah. building a mono-codex yeah. army, you could even do like two That's different, two yeah. different Forge worlds for Admech or two different chapters or whatever. But if you're sticking within the same codex, you're probably safe because they're not really... Not seemingly doing these massive swings within a single book. It's more like how this, the armies this, work together. I think they're trying to break the links. Like, okay, I can do this and this if I have these three separate fractions. I can do this. Well, if they just snip the little things that give you the bonuses, yeah. like this guy doesn't help this guy anymore, and this guy cannot help this guy anymore, that that solves the the synergy problem that these things are creating, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. So and, I mean, I think you're right. I, and, that, that, and I know not everybody believes this, but I actually. Don't mind playing when somebody says, oh, I'm going to have Admech, I'm going to have Marines. I'm like, okay, that's fine. If it's done in a casual thing. But when you're purposely using six codexes to make one army, that's, I, I really have, I've always had a problem with that. I've always thought that is the reason why it's so easy to break now. Because each codex is an individual and it has its own strengths and weaknesses. And if you combine all five, you get the super robot that can kill everybody. Everybody loves Voltron, man. Yeah, okay. You know, I was thinking Blade. Voltron's a prick, okay? And they allowed this to create, like, and then this is what the problem is, is because of the each one is different and diverse, when you combine the right combination together, it makes something that's monstrous. Yeah, that's probably not a bad point. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's kind of, we've seen that. That's what GW wants you to not do. They want to have allies to make those fun and flavorful armies and not yeah. be terrible. Yeah. 
not just be absolutely awful, never need to take them kind of thing, but at the same time not be the way forward. Yeah, like what I think is, is if you have a mono codex, you'll get you should be getting more synergy. You shouldn't be getting less. Yeah. But you certainly can go and do this and this and this and this, but you won't get the benefits for this won't help this and the benefits from that won't yeah, help I mean, this. That will stop a lot of this yeah. monster building that you're The getting. 7th edition Death Star, yes, Azrael exactly. plus whatever right, other like, character. Go ahead, sure, do it. It's just not going to work together as well anymore. And yeah. I bet as soon as that happens, you won't see any of these Death Stars or... Well, we, yeah, we already really don't. Yeah. So that's kind of you case, don't, But you, you yeah, get the idea what you mean. Like, because your, your, your Blood Angel, Castellan, Imperial Guard yeah. mix, yeah. if that gets cut, you won't see it anymore. And returning yeah. to Titanicus as an example, it has a really interesting mechanic for... Um, it allows you to take Titans from different Legions and gain their, their Legion special rules, yeah. but for every um, Legion list that you take your opponent gets two command points. Yeah. So if you take all from one house, your opponent gets two CP. If you take, you know, three different Titans from three different houses, your opponent gets six CP. Yeah. So, like, if the more mixing and matching you're doing, you're comboing up for yourself, but you're giving free bonuses to the enemy. Well, I... I, I one way or another, I see that happening in some shape, way, shape, or form uh, to the Allies system for 40k, because yeah, I, right now the, the three different detachments from three different books... To actually get you more CP and no downsides is kind of bullshit. Well, yeah, th- and the fact they can all share between them too. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's the thing. I thought. I think if you stop the sharing, I think that's going to be that'll blow everything up. Right. Yeah, there. you won't see the guard uh, yeah. CP farming uh, units and nearly as much the because game. they don't want to use the, the guard stratagems. It's all about the knight stratagems. Here, right. right exactly. Here. Right. You know what I mean, right. Oh, I totally. I I tend to. I mean, now we're rules wishlisting, but I, I we're kind of down that path. Anyways, I think the the way forward is if you want to take allies it should be one ally you should be able to take like space marines and a knight sure or yeah. i could see three detachments Eldar and harlequins three detachments but only two different codexes yep and then also not share cp between them like yeah you can that, only that's spend, the biggest thing i think it's the shared cp if your guard come with five cp you know and you can regenerate for your particular guard cp that kind of thing but your knight isn't doing that. You're not, you know, yeah. And that works. Like they've had previous editions of Warhammer Fantasy where uh, spellcasters, for example, like there were, there were some editions where you just puke a shitload of power dice into one pool that then you're you're only really using for one character to cast yep. a million spells. Yeah. And then they've had other editions where each wizard was tied to their own power dice. Yeah. So like you still had to like all your little level one guys. They're not just there to power up your slan. They have to cast the spells themselves. Yeah. And if every individual list in a 40k soup army has to spend its command points on itself and not just lend them to the Castellan, yeah. then yeah. I think that would get rid of a lot of these shenanigans. To the Castellan like, or the Blood Angels. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I think even for the... Because Eldar can do the same thing, uh, you know, with where they can have Harlequin sharing uh, stratagems with Eldar and all that sort of stuff. But the other part is, we right now we're seeing Eldar and Imperium at the top of the whole thing. They're the ones that can share between all these, these yeah. factions, Tau, Necrons, Tyranids, stuff that can't, well, Tyranids can to an extent cause they can take gene circles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but everybody else is but, the one faction and they've yeah, not really orcs. allied with anybody. Right. And interestingly, the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tyranids, gene stealer cult and Imperial guard cannot be in the same list. Right? No, they can. Cause, because Tyranids can't be an ally with, with uh, guard, but gene stealer cults can't. So you can chain them together. Okay, I thought it's I, stupid. I but thought yes. 
I thought I read somewhere that like there are, actually there, are, there wasn't a way around that. But yeah, maybe there's there Nick but. Rose at Nova, unless he had a legal list, which I am maybe very maybe okay. wrong, which would be interesting. I, nobody caught that. Had Company Commander, Gene Stiller, Cult, Tyranids. Okay, I didn't know you could do all three. I was under the impression that you couldn't. But. Yeah, I think you can if you take literally all three. You can't have Tyranids and Guard, but you can have gotcha. Gene Stiller, Cults, and Guard. Um, but nonetheless, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a pretty obvious way forward to fix it, something along the lines of what we're talking about. Yeah, like, um, I don't know what the exact mechanics would have to be, but I think that would yes. solve so many And I'm, I'm all for that. I'm just, my, my whole thing that I was trying to get at is how do you, how does a player build an army? That does oh, work. Yeah, that is what we were talking about. Yeah, how do you, how do you build an <laughs> army? And I think we came up with some good, good points of build the take all comers list. Yeah. Build build a one faction army that you like that you think is good. Put together some stratagems and, and synergies within that particular thing, mm-hmm. and sprinkle in allies as flavor. If you're worried about that sort of thing, and yeah. learn how to play that well. I think if you start from the from the starting point of a single faction, well rounded list, and then yeah, you add certain specializations afterwards. You at least have that base to fall back on, yep. which yep. I don't see them again messing with the base lists all that much. Like most of the armies going from the index list to the codex list. They, They're very balanced they internally. Tweak, they tweaked some points costs, you know, they added or removed some rules here or there. Like, oh, maybe maybe the Gene Stealer cult guys aren't strong enough, so now they have an extra attack or whatever. Yep. Like, but they're not radically changing the way the individual components of the list work. Yeah. So I think if you build that all comers list in a single codex and then diversify from there as like a step two instead of starting with soup. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to yeah, go. Yeah, and I think if you're also worried Which about Which is it ironic, because if you're talking about actual meals, then starting with soup as an appetizer is kind of reasonable. But <laughs> in this case... Picking one. Okay, sure. But in this case, yeah, you yeah. might want to start with your entree and then get <laughs> soup later. Yeah, I, 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 I follow you to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, that's all I had on that particular topic. Do you guys got anything else? Any events that we should plug? Oh... As, oh, as wow. I can't think of any. Nothing springs to mind. Uh, so I don't have a convenient map on the Games Workshop website to point me at. No, not yet. Uh, like I said, I will uh, be emailing them and seeing what happens. <laughs> so, But Onslaught is happening in under two months now. Uh, if you're playing a GW event, you probably want to sign up right away. Uh, I have less than probably 10 40k spots, uh, probably half a dozen in both Ninth Age and Age of Sigmar. Those are almost sold out as well. One Blood Bowl spot that I'm sure will get taken up this week. Um, Shadespire is probably about 50% sold now. Oh, weren't there um, people asking for Shadespire to be on both days? They were, like, there were, so... Why don't you just run two events, Ward? <laughs> uh, Wait, just a second. So because yeah, because good of enough room. interest in Shadespire to run... People were asking for two days? Uh, well, I think it's more of, like, I'm playing events on both days gotcha. and I want my I'm surprised that, sh- that Shadespire so. is uh, so bo- oh, it, I'm not it, actually that surprised it hasn't, it hasn't sold completely so they haven't sold me on the idea that it deserves gotcha. a two day event so. gotcha. but we'll see about like uh, next year for sure uh, Bolt Action only has a few spots left Horus Heresy is sold out already. It's sold out within like the first two weeks. That I, surprised me. I will be opening up a couple more spots for that uh, so if you're on the wait list uh, pay attention to your emails here right away uh, Infinity is probably about fifty percent sold now, so. So the point is, it's moving. It's filling up way faster than previous years for sure. So cool. if you are interested in playing, uh, highly playing recommend. Like? So forty k. I don't know about the second day. I just Ooh. had somebody Ooh. from Ottawa buy a forty k ticket. 
Oh, interesting. Are you on the ITC site? I assume now? it's Justin Trudeau. <laughs> We're going to have the prime <laughs> fucking minister <coughs> at Onslaught. Uh, that would be interesting. That would be a very interesting yes. game. Yes. <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, no, it's in the it's in the works though, so it should be up. I should be up on the ITC here right away. I've been on the ITC for like what, I mean, the last. I'm like, surprised that you had somebody from uh, Ottawa that, yeah, without being I on the ITC page they, yet. I think they might be originally like local, and they might gotcha. be I don't know, just back at home, That's or cool. maybe they moved there and they're coming to visit and play some tournament games at the same time. So, and you have uh, at least one sign up from what Portland. Portland, uh, I do. Got some um, international flavor. Yeah, lots, lots of uh, Ninth Age again from nice. um, uh, Saskatchewan and such. So Calgary, uh, of course. Um, I think one or two from BC. So yeah, it's that's awesome, man. It's spreading and yeah, it's like a fungus, like an orc, which we'll talk about soon. Soon, soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. cool. oh. No, we're done. Remember, that was it. We talked oh, yeah, about right. no more. No more orgs down for the rest of the year. So, yeah. so it should be good. Tom's um, done. We do also. Fuck you, Tom. We will also have a painting uh, contest there as well over the weekend. So drop off your model, uh, check it out. We'll try to have a little bit of a painting yep. set. I think Amps is running well. out, right? Uh, Amsa is, I think, kind of tied a little bit like loosely, but I know that Dan's going to be helping me out with a little bit with that. Gotcha. And um, because I know this question has been asked. Do the models that you enter have to be in any of the systems that you're playing? Uh, they do not, uh, and you don't want to use uh, any uh, submissions that you will be using in the, your events because we'll be holding on to them for a little while for judging. So if you're playing in 40K, paint up something else uh, or submit oh, something that you card. won't use <laughs> in your list. Paint a second so. in card and you'll be fine, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, or don't um, one is good. Don't include it in your list, and then you can submit it for the painting. No, I'll play. I use it so, in my list. There you go. <laughs> um, but we do have a few categories: single fig, large fig, squad, and Conan. Which is only Conans? Which is, uh, I mean, you can do different scales of Conan, a bust of Conan, <laughs> so but only Conans. Conan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So. All right. Should be good. So the best Conan award is going to be a thing. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's so really unique. That will be a trophy for best Conan. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Uh, and with that, that has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Steve. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. And I'm Mike. And with that, play an onslaught. <laughs> and paint your fucking models. Yeah.